good. Can I put this up here? Yeah, sure. Anything to help out with that? That just sounds better. (laughs) Okay. Uh, We have the opportunity as uh, fellow believers in Jesus Christ to be able to recite, basically, to to repeat what we believe as we find it in the Apostles' Creed. So this morning, as we stand together worshiping our Lord, I ask you, Christian, what do you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day He rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence He shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. Thank you so much. You may hunker down once more. Alright, here's going to be the trick. is to be able to do this and then not blow away. So if I'm reading along and all of a sudden it doesn't sound right, it's because I've kind of block something off here if you'll remember a couple of weeks ago we talked about one of the perhaps more debatable statements made in the apostles creed he descended into hell and though this particular statement for today he ascended into heaven is is not up for debate it's one of two i believe rather controversial statements this and last week's statement that he was raised from the dead that we have in the Apostles' Creed. And yet, if you think about it, it's these two statements, are they're really what separate our thinking from any other thinking. Not, not just about a particular person, okay? But about any other faith system that's literally on the face of the earth. For these two statements are what separate Jesus Christ from every other human being that ever walked upon this earth. For many, this is where the rest of their beliefs hinge. Everything centers on these two particular statements. And if you don't believe that He was raised from the dead and that He ascended into heaven, then Jesus, in reality, was not much more than a teacher, a preacher, a very knowledgeable man with a ton of common sense and a somewhat radical heart. For you see, His teachings were centered on love and not the law. This was totally different than anything that was going on at that particular time. In fact, if you look at some faiths in the world today, look at how they depict Jesus. They visualize Him still being on the cross. We believe in an empty cross. Why? Because we believe He was raised from the dead and that He ascended into heaven. But let's look at, at what Christ's ascension did for the world. Before we do that, though, let's, let's flash back a few years before this miraculous event and see what Jesus was doing in preparation for His ascension. Look to Matthew 4.17. Jesus first started His ministry here upon this earth. Remember Jesus' words here. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Go back one chapter. And you'll see where John the Baptist was basically doing the same thing. 
John talks uh, often in the Gospels of simply being a forerunner of Jesus. In some places, he was not even sure of who Jesus was. And in other places, he was sure as soon as he saw him. In one place, in, in Luke, I believe, uh, he's even jumping for joy before he was ever born that he knew the Savior was coming. However, remember what John was here to do. He was merely paving the way for the ministry of Jesus. The words were basically the same that, that John and Jesus both were presenting, but there was one big difference. Our knowledge of the kingdom of God, our introduction to the kingdom of God, wasn't present really until Jesus started preaching that repentance. And though both of the men's words were some of the most important ever spoken, John's words had been commanded by God to speak about Jesus and His forthcoming. Jesus' words, though, were speaking about Himself. Jesus was tempted. He was led into the wilderness right after His baptism. And I ask you, could, could you imagine, say you were baptized as an adult, okay? Could you imagine then being led out into a wilderness for 40 days of, of marathon temptation? How, how, would, how do you think we'd come out of that? Speaking for myself, because I can't speak for anybody else, I probably would have not have done very well at all. But you know what? No matter when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, does temptation ever go away from us? Certainly not. If anything, our temptations are greater after we accept Christ as Savior than before. Because the devil's going to work just that much harder on you. So I can't really say that there's a tremendous amount of difference, but do know this. Jesus went through all of this for a reason. He went through that temptation for 40 days for a particular reason. Why? Because He wanted to know what we would have to face in our life. That's alright. If it blows to the other side of the world, it's okay. Yeah, and then the battery goes out, and then what do I do, huh? Yeah, uh-huh. Just saying. But see, Jesus knew what being tempted was all about. But He had to see it from our point of view to be able to understand it more fully. thing is, is He passed every test. The temptations that Jesus faced all His life were temptations that we all face in some form or another in this life. But He showed us the way to get past these things. Out in the wilderness... We know He was tempted at least three specific times. Three times that are mentioned in the Scriptures. Do you remember His defense in all three of them? The Scriptures. Plain and simple. This simple lesson was what He was about to teach the world. Living by God's Word is going to keep you or help keep you out of the pit of sin. Now, look how He chose 12 disciples. But his leadership, while he was in the world, didn't end right there. Throngs of people came to be healed, to hear him speak, to hear him teach and preach his simple message of love, following his commands. Lives were changed as he was here upon this earth. And people looked to him for all things. 
for his leadership in their lives, even when he was here on earth. So many lessons that Jesus taught the disciples, and nearly every single time they would look at him and his display of power as if it was happening all over again for the very first time. They'd go out and they would tell others of this vast power that they had seen firsthand with a renewed vigor, with a renewed excitement every time they would speak about Jesus. They did so as in John, uh, as John says in, in 1 John 3, 1, 3 and 4, so that all who hear and believe what they write and talk about will have fellowship with them and that their joy will be complete by us believing in Jesus as well. But I ask you all, as believers, as followers of Jesus Christ, do you think that that has changed for us today? No! We should have that same excitement for everyone that we come in contact with so that they might believe just like we believe. Look at how he spoke to Nicodemus in John 3, telling him the concept of needing to be born again in order to have this kingdom Jesus preached about. Nicodemus was well-versed in the Jewish law. He had to be to be a Pharisee, but he was interested in learning about Jesus. Not sure he understood everything that Jesus was telling him right then, but I believe that he would eventually. We talk about that this each time that we come to the Lord's table. I, I like to tell you that what Jesus, when He gave them the bread and the wine, all of what He was telling them right then probably didn't register with them. They may have picked up on a symbol here or maybe an example there, but I believe really Nicodemus was probably not much different than the apostles or the disciples were in that particular instance. He would catch a few things. He would understand maybe a little bit, but until the Holy Spirit came, he wouldn't understand entirely. Maybe his family, Jesus' family, and those who were listening that day that we see it, uh, that didn't understand in Mark 3, verse 31 through 34, what Jesus was trying to say to them. I think Jesus' family was worried about him at that particular time. And they really wanted to find out what was perhaps troubling him at that moment. And he tells the crowd that he was talking to at that particular moment after being told that his mother and his brothers were outside to see him. Here are my mother and brothers, he says, pointing to those who were sitting at his feet, listening to him. Whoever does my God's will is my brother and my sister and my mother. He was telling them to look beyond the biology of this world, if you will. In fact, look beyond anything of this world and look to God for full spiritual sustenance. You'd have to wonder how much maybe that hurt and bewildered his family at that particular moment after hearing those words. Honestly, I don't think anyone quite understood that Jesus was trying to teach them one of the most foundational aspects of eternal life. Look to Jesus for all your answers. Follow what God has commanded us to do and lean on Jesus with help from the Holy Spirit to carry through in your life. Your earthly family will not save you. So many examples of these lessons that, that few, if any, picked up on the time that they were actually happening right then, that they absorbed those lessons. A little later, perhaps, it might be placed in the back recesses of the mind. 
soon to be forgotten. That's why Jesus would tell them about the Holy Spirit. He's spoken of specifically in John 14, verse 15 and on. Really, both chapter 14 and chapter 16 of the book of John are really preparation for Christ's anticipated ascension back into heaven soon after His resurrection. A lot of folks, His closest disciples included, didn't understand what Jesus was here for in the first and maybe even in the last place. Let me explain that. I say first and last because so many believed He was coming into the world to save the, uh, the, the Israelites from Rome and all the slaveries that it knuckled Israel under. Social, economical, cultural, and to a point, spiritual slaveries Rome held Israel down with. Uh, even in verse 6 of our reading for today in, in Acts 1, there rings a tone of not quite understanding what Jesus was about to do. Look at verse 4. Jesus tells them to wait for the promise of the Father. In other words, wait for the Holy Spirit because He would be coming to them soon. Yet in verse 6, they ask Him at this time, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel? In other words, is now going to be the time that we're going to have Israel back on top again and you're going to lead the way? Verse 8 tells them again what He's been telling them for a while now. The Holy Spirit would soon be coming to them. That's when the power of Jesus would truly be unleashed in the world. <clears throat> and that's when the ascension of Christ would loom large in the hearts and minds of Jesus' disciples and even in His disciples today. That was what I meant about the last place. His ascending and the Spirit coming to us all. To that end, the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey might have said, comes forth when all of the evil of the world will be judged and destroyed. Jesus came the first time as as a servant, here to serve and not be served as we see in Mark 10. When He comes back, it will be as King of kings and judge over all the earth as we see in Revelation 22. In fact, if you want to get a little bit better idea of, of what will happen at that time, read chapters 20 through 22 of the book of Revelation. Singular, Revelation of Jesus Christ. Don't let me hear you say Revelations. And while we see Paul writing of that ascension into glory in 1 Timothy 3.16, and we see where Christ is seated at the right hand of God in Colossians 3.1, and we see where He is a high priest as well forever, as we see from the writer of Hebrews in chapter 6 verse 20 and chapter 8 verse 1, we know that the ascension of Jesus Christ should be incorporated into the entire story as it rightfully ought to to be. You see, that's part and parcel of the gospel. That's part of what we need to teach. And yet so often, we just talk about Jesus' love. We talk about how He came to earth. But we never get to that last point of the ascension of Jesus Christ. As Christ promised to the Spirit to His disciples, we have the Holy Spirit today teaching us to pray, leading us, giving us peace comfort and joy just as the disciples received with the Spirit on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2.
Why did the Spirit come to the disciples at that time? Well, maybe first and foremost, that's the time Jesus said that He would come to them. You see, Jesus doesn't renege on a promise. When He makes a promise of something, He carries through. And you can believe that if He says He's coming back, guess what? It's going to happen. It was, after all, that Jesus had, after, right after Jesus had ascended back into heaven, but His purpose, again, was to ensure, the Holy Spirit, to ensure that the ministry of Jesus could and would be carried out from then until the time that Jesus returns. Through whom? Well, through us and all believers who share the good news of the gospel with others, just as Jesus commanded us to do in Matthew 28. Can you see how all this works together? It's a very neat little package there. And yet some still don't understand what the role of the Holy Spirit is. Just like they don't understand the resurrection of Jesus or His ascension. Remember as well, Jesus didn't have an earthly biological father as we talked about a few weeks ago. Remember who came to Mary? It's the Holy Spirit. And so He was and is prevalent in Jesus' life throughout His entire life here on earth. If you go back, People have a lot of, of question. Well, it was just God back in the very beginning. Listen to this. Genesis 1, verse 26. Let us make man in our image. You see, God wasn't alone at that particular time. His Son and His Spirit were all there as well. All being part of the creation of the world. Lastly, just as the disciples needed to see Jesus after His death, burial, and resurrection... <clears throat> they needed, they needed to see Jesus as we see in Acts 1-9 of our reading this morning. They needed to see Jesus ascend into heaven. Now, why was that important? To be able to remove all remaining doubt as to who Jesus was, the true Son of God. You see, Jesus wasn't about smoke and mirrors. He wasn't about doing things in the cloak of night or anything like that. John 1.9 tells us that Jesus was the light and He had come to give light to every man in the world. In Him, there was no darkness. He was the light so that His example could be seen by the world and not be hidden from man's sight. There's one other thing that, that people have a hard time understanding. That is, that Jesus has now, after ascending into heaven, He is now preparing a place in heaven for His followers. John 14, 2 and 3 says that, In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare that place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you may also know where I am. Now you're going to hear those same words in about two weeks. I can... It's 100% for sure. That's going to be my scripture reading. Though those words were written so many years ago, they're as relevant today as they were when Jesus gave them in person to His disciples. They are words designed to give us hope. They're words designed to give us encouragement to go out and bring the lost and hurting to Him. John 14, 4 says, You know the way to the place where I am going. 
Look in verse 5, John 14. Old Thomas, he says to Jesus, Hey, we hadn't been where you've been. How are we going to know the way there? You see, even then, even with his own disciples, there was still some unbelief. There was still some doubt. So I can tell you, if Jesus was running into it with his own disciples back then, we can pretty well expect to run into the same kind of doubt and unbelief with anyone and everyone that we talk to about Jesus in some way or another. But then I want you to look at John 14, verse 6. Here it is. Gives us all the direction that we need. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And that, folks, is the last big piece of the puzzle for unbelievers. <clears throat> we pick up on old Thomas once again, John chapter 20 where because he hasn't seen Jesus after his resurrection, he still had doubts about Jesus being alive. In essence, he was just like all of us before we believe and the Spirit comes to us to lead us from then on. Remember what Jesus tells Thomas after Thomas sees and feels the scars in the, in the hands and the side of Jesus? Simple, simple words, my Lord and my God. What a confession to make. It again is here, though, where though the, these words were directed at Thomas, I do believe that Jesus was perhaps maybe looking beyond Thomas a little bit, and He was looking directly at you and me. He tells Thomas and all of His believers, because you have seen Me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. The disciples needed that impetus of seeing Jesus ascend into heaven to be able to believe and with conviction share the good news. All of the good news. They want to share the news with, with us so that we can share in the joy of heaven with them. He ascended into heaven. Do we believe that? Are we able to share that knowledge with those that we know and love? Maybe those that we don't know or, or maybe know well. Is it a gift you believe in enough that your desire to see others in heaven supersedes not wanting to share that gift and possibly know these folks will not see heaven and you had the chance to give them an eternal gift and to introduce them to Christ Jesus? What does Christ's ascension into heaven mean to you? I pray for all of us a renewed desire to believe in what we recite each week. May God bless us all with a greater understanding of those words. And may He add His grace to us so that we can go into the world and teach and preach the full and the fullness of the gospel to everyone. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank You. We praise You for the love that You have given us. How, how we dwell so much on, on Your Son coming to earth the first time. And so often we miss on just something just as important, His ascension back into heaven. How Your disciples needed to see that to complete the total picture of knowing that Jesus truly is Your Son the Son of God. Help us to understand that more fully. Help us to have that same 
attitude that the disciples had 2,000 years ago. We want to share that good news with all who will listen so that we all may share in heaven together. Thank you for this wonderful group. Thank you for your Spirit having been with us this day. And we pray, God, as we go out into the world, may we make a difference in your kingdom. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.